Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey, gardening friends, great to share Saturday morning with you. Our last autumn weekend here with Ray and Faye, and we've got John Glidden in the studio with us this morning too. And uh, we're all ready. Bev, Bev awaits your phone calls, 94841927. And you can email us too by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout-out to our cycling DJ, the Jim Cronin, for the Breakfast Tunes Entertainment. And Jim was kindly supported by our very own Bev Daring, who got up extra early to assist. So thank you guys very, very much. Hey, everyone, good morning. Good morning. Nice good to morning. be here. It is. Our last weekend of autumn, isn't it been blissful? Well, the, the end of the week has been. A couple of days earlier in the week were a bit woolly, weren't they? Well, and just as well they are because otherwise, Ray, I would never catch up on things in the house, I have to say. That's true. And we had a good drop of water. I don't know what I've done with my whatever you gave me. Um, I probably left it outside, actually, the details, John. But we're up to 80-something mils. Yeah, 83.6 yeah, or something, yeah. and our average is about 88. So. so we had a big drop, right? Yeah, it, massive. Yes. It, it was And I turned my, certainly <laughs> turned my sprinklers off. And, and a reminder that and uh, I'm a reminder, Wednesday yes. is the uh, beginning of the winter sprinkler ban. So you've got three days left to water <laughs> three your lawns. Days left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so boy, we're flying through this year. Mm. We are chatting with Catherine Hubble. She will be joining us in the studio later to this morning. She is from Biotiful. Tell, tell the listeners, Faye, a little bit about Catherine and why she's a unique guest. She has a love of the earth mm. and has been exploring, well, I say alternative, but in some ways I think they're probably not the alternative, they're probably the way to go. Mm. Uh, Korean natural farming, she's looking into and practising regenerative agriculture. Uh, she's a qualified horticulturalist and she has a certificate in permaculture design. So she's right across the board and she's one of the people at the forefront of taking inquiries and and worries from the public as a horticulturalist mm. and she's she sort of manages that and practices what she finds uh works so she introduced us to the lactobacillus serum yes which is a health tonic for plants that helps them fight off pests mm. uh, so we learned about adding molasses and fermenting rice water to mm. to create a serum. Um, so, you know, there, there are homemade remedies that you can make based on organic methods and principles, which doesn't cost the earth. It mm. doesn't cost the earth and it doesn't mean that you have to go out and, and buy lots of things which are sold to us by marketing. 
which is sometimes yeah. a little bit fear-based. So yeah. it, it's good to hear another side of the coin. Yeah, I agree. And, um, yeah, explore different things that work for us. So we'll we'll touch on the chilli thrips and mm. and the the baddie, the glyphosate or Roundup that people mm. like to spray just to, you know, avoid lots of hard work. And, yeah, this let, is true. Yeah, but what impact does it have? And specifically, how does it affect the birds? Everyone wants birds in their garden. Mm. Well, let's drill down and look at the impact of what we treat our gardens with, what some of us treat our gardens with. Because with glyphosate, I've always heard two different conversations, some saying that the residue dissipates very quickly and others saying, no, that's not correct. So I guess it depends what people are looking at too. Mm. So not everybody is going to go to the nth degree to explore the things that can't be seen. Mm. You know, a lot of people won't see the fungal threads, the mycorrhizal mm. fungi that we know exists, but it's almost... Do do do, yeah. you know it's there. We're but if you stuff. can't see it, how mm. can you? Why why would people worry about it? Mm. Mm. So copper sprays as fungicides and the impact of that on the earth and the soil microbes. So that's something mm. that um, Catherine has explored. She's also done some food web training, uh, and you know it's a rabbit hole when you go down these avenues and you find people that are experts in their field and opening up that whole world, that zoo beneath our feet, what really, really goes on there. Yeah, okay. Mm. Well, we look forward to having her in the studio. As we um, are really wrapped to have you join us today, John. Thank you very much. We worked out that it's nearly six months that we've been doing the show thus far this year, heading into six months, and we haven't really had you on air to do no, a bit of a summary of what you do for the gardening show. Uh, as well, well, I uh, handle all the emails that come through for of the which mom there are and, many. Yes. Uh, on, on that point, yeah, our busiest year so far was 2020 <laughs> with COVID and people sticking at home. But we're yeah. well on our way to beating that because we're about half had half the amount of emails we had in 2020. Oh. So uh, yeah, keeps us. Busy on our toes. You're and a bit of a stat man, aren't you? Very sta- much so. Statistician. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, doing the podcast. Yeah. And we're up to 120 podcasts available. Oh, yeah. oh. That includes the uh, the one on chili thrip. Yeah. And the compilation of Lisa Passmore's "How to Design a Garden from Scratch" oh, tips, yeah. which is you know a fascinating listening. Lesson. Yes, yeah. it is for sure. Uh, then. Uh, and your chief cook as well. Chief cook, I do enjoy that. <laughs> and I, you know, when when you miss a show like I did last Saturday, um, not only do you go through a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, <laughs> but when I saw what you had cooked, I was more upset about that. I had missed out on your peanut butter jelly cake. That was. And I thought I was actually, oh, you know, don't worry about the show. I missed on our morning tea. It was. <laughs> and it, it was it, very it good. It looked so good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trouble is, I always end up with so much left over. I finished the last piece on Thursday. <laughs> and, and so, what have we got to look forward to today, John? I've got an orange and poppy seed cake. Mm. Which, uh, because I've had a couple of oranges fall off my tree, and I thought, you know, they're, they're not ripe enough to eat. What can I do with them? Ah, the rind is good. 
So that I see. All right. Well, we encourage your calls, 94841927. And, of course, you can email us. And we have our $75 gift voucher from Bigotries to give away this morning for you as well. And just a reminder, we are running a station survey uh, and we'd love you to participate. If you go to curtainfm.com.au, on the right-hand corner of the homepage is the survey button. Love you to go in there and uh, fill out all the details and what you think of the station, the music, the programs, the presenters and any thoughts you might have on how we can improve or not improve. Perhaps you're really happy with everything. But uh, it's going to wind off uh, mid next week I think so it's an opportunity to get in there and express your point of view and uh, certainly around the gardening show well vote one for us <laughs> vote one <laughs> we, we, we want to come back <laughs> well, vote one for gardening absolutely so uh, we've got a few emails to get through as well we we have and of course John sends them through but before we go to them Ray mm. I, I would like to bring up the topic of the weekly quiz. <laughs> oh, my word. I know. I sit there and I think, no one will ever get this and blow me down every week. Bang. I've, I've got a few notes I made, and one of the things was never underestimate the audience. Never. Particularly where they're $75 up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> because I was amazed last week, the, the winner of the quiz. I thought, yeah, they might have to look it up, research it, and I'm sure... The winner must have started calling, dialing before Chris finished the second reading of the question. Is that so? And, you know, it, okay, it was music related. And so, of course, and our listeners, uh, music is key to this is. station. They know their music. So, we, so we, it's, a, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Very likely to have a, a, a series of questions now based on songs and things like that. And uh, the one we have today I thought was interesting because the record was the first one played when BBC Radio 1 opened in the UK on the 30th of September 1967. That's extraordinary, Which, isn't uh, it? And that was you know, pretty much on phase, uh, oh, can you ask a question from this song? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does engage us, doesn't it, when we start talking and you it said does. you were looking for songs from the 60s and 70s yeah. and I just think about all the ones I love to bop along to and mm. and then the, for the next 45 minutes I find myself Googling and, you know, bopping away. <laughs> and I like Faye's suggestion mainly because there was, what, eight or ten different songs all about roses oh at least <laughs> at least yeah the, the flower of romance not obsessed at all <laughs> until, until chili th- came along <laughs> and there's no songs about them <laughs> maybe there will be one the way that things are traveling it would oh have to goodness. be country and western you know my wife bless me and then i got chili, chili th- <laughs> yeah. or, or it could be a funeral song like a a, a bid to farewell the roses could be <laughs> but i don't know about yours but mine have come back beautifully my Mr. Lincoln now is taller than I am, and I'm they are six tall, feet Rose. tall. So. Mm. Yeah, and he's well, healthy. Yes, yeah. Mm. yeah. Ta-da, and, change of season. And, yeah. and, you know, again, Ray's suggestion, hose it off a couple of times a day, and that yep. really It really helps, but you've got to be diligent. You've got you to do. do it every day, yeah, and mm. in the middle of the day and more than once. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a safe option, isn't it? It is. It is. If you've got the time and you can get out there and do it, it's uh, it works, as and you I say. Bought, I bought a little powered sprayer and it, it doesn't take much water. It's just really wetting it because they don't like the moisture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's five litres of water and just 
yeah. hose it off, no, yeah. no energy required. You could also save that water before your hot water comes through. Yeah, Very much and so. use yeah. that. There you go, everyone. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we plough into an email? Okay, where will we start? Well, let's kick off with the polyphagous shot hole borer, John. Uh-oh. That's, uh, mm. There's some rules and regulations around that. Mm-hmm. And residents cannot remove any bark, yeah. potted plant, firewood, tree prunings, logs, plant cuttings, mulch, timber, wood or wood chips above a certain size outside the quarantine area. So wood that has been chipped into two and a half centimetres or less are fine, but all other wood greater than two and a half centimetres or plants with woody stems greater than two centimetres can only be moved out of the quarantine under a permit issued by the department. So... That is uh, eligible to people from the Bonsai Society and garden clubs who have undertaken polyphagous shot hole borer training. Okay. Okay. Because how would the average person in their yard know they have it? Well, it, it if they did, it would be evident in the stems. Mm. So if you're looking at a tree trunk or a branch that you cut off, that is you know, I guess around two centimetres or greater, and it's got lots of holes that look almost like a pinprick or like someone's grabbed their ballpoint pen and just stuck it in dot, dot, dot all over the place. Yeah. So that's quite obvious. You don't see that sort of evidence too often, although we do have native borers that will bore holes into trunks of trees. But if you are in the quarantine area, which now goes from... Coburn to Sterling, and it goes inland, but I, I'm not sure. You'd have, have to look map. at the boundary. Yeah. Pretty so, broad reaching. So, well, it is, but the northern suburbs past Sterling seem okay, and further south than Coburn is okay. It follows the river, apparently. Exactly, mm. yes. So, you know, you can't take uh, a tree to someone in Mandurah if no. you live in Jandicott, mm. or you can't take a tree up to Ocean Reef mm. if you're in the same area. Yeah, so this this issue is getting quite serious, mm. isn't it? Yep. So mm. if, if you do have dead or dying trees, mm. when you do cut back the, the diseased wood, Respect it. have a look at it. Um, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of evidence of plants dying, hedges particularly. Mm. I was flicking through quite a few emails last night. Lawns... Um, are attracting a lot of attention, mm. problems with lawns and pests, and also, yes, hedges and, and trees dying back or dying. Sometimes it's because of the end of their life or sometimes mm. there's a greater factor. So mm. I was surprised when I read that it can kill a tree in two years. Mm. It's boring. Mm. It's a vicious little creature. Yes. Mm. Okay. All right, 94841927. We will return. Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye, and we've got John Glidden, our researcher, in the studio with us as well. And coming up at nine, oh, sorry, eight forty. Pardon me, Catherine Hubble is going to uh, join us in the studio. And some good subjects that we're going to cover with Catherine today. So I think that I might give away my 
$75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. However, I can see that Bev has momentarily left her station. We got these letters during the week from Florence Elsa. Florence, if you're listening, thank you so, so much. You've written such beautiful verses. And what I love even at the beginning is you say, I often sit down in verse my feelings. Uh, and, you, and you've got different times that you've written to us. Some have been over a summer and you're saying things like girls on the garden program your enthusiasm and encouragement is a joy to our souls reminding us oldies we just need to be bold and i love how you say things that uh, like that you love the way that we are just ourselves and <laughs> we certainly are just ourselves uh, florence and i love also at the bottom here of this letter how you're saying hard to put into words what my heart is overflowing ray and Fay, and all your guests Thanks for all your caring and knowledge. You are all giving and showing. And there's so much written here by Florence, who I believe was a, has been unwell, but is uh, coming On back. On the road to recovery. On the road to recovery. Mm. Love, we really appreciate what you have written to us. There's just some wonderful uh, comments here, and it means a lot. It's it's good for our heart and our soul too. Are you, are you going to read out? Which one do you want me to the, read? The, the one in your hand. This one. Mm. Okay. Uh, let me see. Our dear friends on the radio, we just want you to know how much you mean to us all as our lessons to all your shows. Uh, though I'm over 80 years now, I still enjoy to hear music. I have always enjoyed over many years. Um, Saturday morning gardening, what a joy it is to me listening to advice and comments from all those busy bees. Uh, and then she goes on to say it's hard to put into words. When my heart is overflowing, Ray and Faye and all your guests. Um, so yeah, it, it, and there's as I say, there's another big long letter here as well. And uh, for what I guess jumped out at me is thanks for both being yourselves, which we appreciate. I think don't you find gardening people are down to earth. Most, there's most no, there's really, no, really are. a lot yes. of it under their fingernails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no pretense. Uh, yes. Yeah, so thank you very much, uh, Florence, and, and uh, speedy recovery. And actually, I remember too that she has two trees in her garden named Ray and Faye, and I think they're crimson spires. I think. Oh my word! Mm. I don't. How how is that? Yeah. Imagine having a plant named after you. That's just wonderful. Doesn't well, that's get the any pinnacle, better. isn't it? Yeah, That's it when really you know is. you've made it. Yeah, it really is. Okay, I'll get you to carry on with a, an email if you would like. Okay. Love. Well, this week we received an email about tiny snails. Now, if you've been out in your garden this week, you are sure to have seen them either uh, walk, walking with their yeah. one foot. Yes. <laughs> uh, sliding over plants or even tucked up in between plants. These tiny little snails... And wondering if other listeners know how to deal with hundreds of little cone-shaped snails. I've lip here, ground cover instead of lawn, and they are all over it, as well as my herbs and succulents. I think they're too tiny to use snail pellets against them. Well, one of the, the theories was that you could crush up snail pellets. Um, there are, yes, but they're not overly interested in that, it seems. Now, I did come across some information that talked about baiting and trapping them. So, for example, pieces of potato placed around the garden act as a trap. So in one particular day, they caught seven, but overnight, 24. So they, they perhaps shelter there overnight. Uh, and then, of course, you can get rid of the pieces of potato. 
Now, another um, solution was to place pieces of cucumber on aluminium foil. The reaction between the two mm-hmm. give off a scent that slugs and snails don't like. So that can help to repel them. But I do know what you mean. There, There is an abundance of these little cone snails at the moment. Mm. Of course, there are natural predators uh, such as fri- frogs, lizards, rats will eat them. Uh, you can use coffee grounds mm. to repel them. They certainly don't like moving over sawdust either. Mm, mm. Uh, Eggshells, diatomaceous earth and copper tape. Uh, Sprays with copper in them will also keep them away. But as we will hear from Catherine later, copper isn't isn't, uh, good for organisms in the soil. Mm. Another one, uh, wheat wheat bran or corn bran put around in little piles or rings around the plants. The snails eat them, it desiccates and they die. So you would replenish that after rain. Mm. What so are your that, thoughts on dimaceous earth? Do you know much about it? Uh, I It actually breaks down the, the cuticle of the insect. Mm. Uh, so for scale and supposedly slaters, it, it mm. can work. They certainly wouldn't like climbing over it. Mm. It's like cut glass is to us. Um, certainly, I think that's pro- probably a safe option to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. I've just recently bought some yet to actually mm. apply it, but for something Doesn't that specifically. also desiccate them? Sorry? The, the diabetes. Yes, that, yes, that, yes that, it does. Yes. And don't breathe it in, though. No, mask on. Mm. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. I've got a little community service announcement, and it's with regard to the vintage postcards. The West Australian Card Collector Society is presenting an amazing display of vintage postcards at the Uniting Hall in Railway Parade, Mount Lawley. Now, it finishes at 4pm today. Free valuations, buying and selling, refreshments available all day long and the details uh, from Norma on 94516505. So that's the Western Australian Card Collector Society finishing today at 4pm at the Uniting Hall in Railway Parade, Mount Lawley. Okay. We could give away our voucher now. I think we will. Mm. Um, Bev's back. (laughs) So if you'd like to go shopping at Bigger Trees, they do specialise in frangipanis, ornamental fruit trees, and there appears to be always large new plant deliveries arriving at Bigger Trees. So your $75 voucher shopping experience is going to be very, very exciting indeed. Now you can check out their website. And their Facebook page to learn more. Here is our question. You, oh, oh, I better announce that you need to have not won a prize in the last 28 days and you need to be a Curtin FM member. Okay. In reference to the song Flowers in the Rain, what colour are the roses that are scattered all around? In reference to the song Flowers in the Rain, what colour are the roses that are scattered all around? $75 Give voucher from Bigger Trees up for grabs. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Must be Curtin FM, and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. How's that? Excellent. Very good. Okay. Mm, some great songs from that period. <laughs> <laughs> With I've... some very strange lyrics. <laughs> yes.
Well, earlier in the week, there were certainly a lot of flowers in the rain, weren't there? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> so another couple of emails that have come in. Uh, Ficus is the title, and Margaret asks, Hi, ladies, I was wondering your thoughts on planting a ficus in the ground. I know that the roots can be quite invasive, but I have a big lot of land. What would you think? I don't mind if you say no, but I was just wondering. Thank you, and I love your show. And that's Margaret from Balladura. Well, you know, there are different ficus. Um, some are green, some are variegated. Many years ago, I put a variegated ficus in the ground in my shade house, and, and it's barely grown. And now that it's uh, looking good and, and doing okay, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll just dig that up and put it in a pot because they're quite attractive. So I think if you've got a lot of land, it doesn't matter. Uh, but have a look at, at the ones perhaps outside um, the Equinox Cafe in Bustleton or lining the streets on Rotnest or perhaps at the university grounds in Netherlands because they can get very, very big. Have you seen the ones out here the where we park our cars? Mm, yeah. I, exactly. They're I lifting put, up all the bitumen. I put one in many, many years ago in my silly days. It was supposed to grow to 15 feet, and I think it grew to 15 metres. Mm. Uh, lifted the back of the house slightly and got mm. into the neighbour's sewage oh, system. Yes. So um, Be yeah, careful that, that what you ask for. Definitely. Mm. They're yeah. very grand, though, aren't they? They're stately. Yes, they are, mm. in the right position, mm. Yeah, if you've exactly. got the room for them. So not next to a car park, perhaps, exactly. not near a fence and mm. not near the footings of a house. And but definitely yeah. not, not near water or sewage pipes or... Mm. Anything like that? Absolutely. Middle of a paddock's probably the best place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good advice. But there's yes. probably there's a lot of options for trees, there are. isn't there? We we have a, a lot of options here in in Perth. And so I think we've stumped our listeners too. Normally the phones jump off the hook, and there hasn't been mm. a call with regard to your your question, My John, question. in reference to the song "Flowers in the Rain." What colour are the roses that are scattered all around? Mm. Okay, you've really got everyone stumped this morning. Well, and you know what? The weather's looking wonderful, so they're probably out in the garden. Superb out there. Listening to the radio, whereas mm. last week when it was cooler and wetter, they might have all been sitting by the keyboard <laughs> as well. Yeah. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Now, okay, so shall I crack on with the emails? Yes, please. All right. My son has a lemon tree in his garden that I gave him 10 years ago. I had it for five years before that. It is in the ground, but the fruit on this tree are lemons, oranges and limes. How does that happen? Well, How does that happen? <laughs> mm. Well, it's possible that this was a grafted tree and you can get, uh, do they call them a rainbow tree? Or a fruit salad? Fruit salad, that's mm. the one, mm. with a variety. Different combinations are available. Um, so th it's possible that it's, it's that. However, I do wonder, uh, apart from the taste, if it was the colour, if the, the fruit turns green and then yellow and then goes to orange, mm. it may well be a lime as mm. it goes through its stages of, of maturity. Mm -hmm. mm. But yes, that's how it happens. And that was from Kathleen. John, do you need to go and see if Catherine's here? Well, I think she's think coming, Bebs actually. Bev's just, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Mm. All right. Carrying right on. 
Karen from Queen's Park has sent us in photos. Karen, you've got an amazing garden. I don't know how you have time to do anything else because this just looks beautiful. There's so much variety. Uh, so Karen asks about another sick looking plant. She said, we got it about 15 years ago from a friend. It grew nicely, but the last couple of years it started dying, it was infected with some kind of beetle. Therefore, we trimmed it back hard. It's growing again, but the new leaves, which are variegated, are small and plain. Not much left of the variegation anywhere. The big branches are splitting in some places. It it looks... Oh, I'm not 100% sure whether it might be a caprosma or maybe a New Zealand Christmas tree. Right? There's, there's photos. Although some of the leaves look much bigger... Now, if you've got branches that are, are split or suffering or dead, I would cut them out so that you're left with all a completely healthy trunk. I can see that it's had a hard prune. It does um, look like a caprosma. Mm, of which mm. there are a few varieties. Mm. And, and some trees that are variegated will revert to green. So if you want to keep the variegation, which yeah. often the growth is is less than if it was a full green leaf, uh, I would cut out the green leaves as well. So it, m it might mean cutting out quite a bit. It doesn't matter if you're left with only a small amount of the tree, as long as it's healthy, really. Mm. But also check down at the base. Uh, look out for any signs of collar rot if the mulch has been put up too close to the, the trunk of the tree. Make sure that it's getting enough water. Maybe give it some liquid seaweed and, and watch the new growth. Any idea how long these plants actually live? I mean, it's 15 years old. It could be coming to the end of its life. Or... Uh, I, I'm not sure. We, that's I'll, a, a I'll, good question for our researcher. I'll go, see if I can find him a bit later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably eating his morning tea. Could mm. be. <laughs> but I wouldn't have thought 15 years. Mm. But like you say, some, some plants certainly do have a, mm. a short life and... I, did, I don't think 15 years is a very long time for them. No. Uh, there's also some issues. Uh, the second two photographs show the sedge or grass in the garden. It's growing too wide and the other stems are partly falling over. Shall I cut back the whole plant? I don't really dare to because I had a second one nearby and after trimming it hard, like they do in parks, it did not grow back and died. Why do my plants always give me such a hard time? Well, <laughs> She's not alone. Yeah, yeah that is exactly right. And Karen, they're challenging you because mm. what would you be doing if you weren't sending us emails wondering what was going on? And like you say, we have a wonderful gardening community and we love to share. I think with your sedges, just uh, crown prune them so that's taking the tops off them. And that will encourage some new growth, which will take over from the older growth. Also, give them a little bit of pelletized chicken manure, especially when the rains are coming. So that will help moisten up the soil and give them a, a bit of a new lease on life. And mm. with the rains, everything should come back. I like to go around and give everything a bit of love, like trimming off the old dead leaves and uh, making a little well and giving it a little tickle of food, uh, removing the weeds, making a, a basin, 
topping up the mulch and then mm. you can stand back and in a couple of weeks you'll get new growth and the plant will look healthy and loved. You'll be able to see where you've been in the garden. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. And how did you enjoy the Kalamunda Garden Festival last Sunday? Well, it was Saturday, fabulous. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. It was fabulous. It was. It was such a great success from everyone that I spoke to. Mm. The talks were well. We attended the Costa Chat, a we Costa did. Chat, and yes. it was amazing. Costa He's is amazing. just so full of life. Oh, so my word. almost pure, you know, just pure energy and love. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to describe, isn't it? And you, he, he talked about the joys of gardening, mm. and it's not a gardening. Uh, how can I put it? He didn't. It wasn't about any of the technicalities of gardening. It was purely about the joy of gardening and philosophy. Almost, yeah, almost and on a spiritual level, but but not. You know, he's just so realistic and down to earth. It's just the way that he's able to explain things and put things across, and you think, yes, that is how I'm feeling. I it really um, resonated with me mm. when he talked about the little things and and caring for the earth and. Mm how important the insects are in the mm. big picture. But he also talked about mentors, like who who yeah. inspired you to garden? What mm. are your early memories? Like how important that is to have, uh, to for someone to create that catalyst or inspire you. Mm. Mm. Who inspired you? My nana. Yeah. She was an English gardener. Mm. Her father was a horticulturalist. She had a shade house. She always had shade houses. Uh, she grew azaleas. Granddad made a, a goldfish pond. I just loved being out in her garden. Yeah. It was there was lawn and and rocks and she gardened till she was a hundred. Mm. So, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I'm thinking that we might have listeners stumped with our question. The line, <laughs> I can see a couple of lines flashing, so let's just wait. I think I think listeners may have had to have gone off and researched that song, John. Uh, it had to happen. I, we did have to stump our well, listeners at some point. I, I agree. You've got to earn your look, oats I, on I've, this I've show. Actually, one of the notes I made, and it's a problem I have deciding on the level of difficulty, Listeners can be thankful that all questions are approved by Ray. <laughs> <laughs> You're just passing the buck. Yeah, okay. Well, there are some calls coming through, so they're either we'll we'll wait and see what happens there. Otherwise, we might have to get you to revise the question. Let's wait and see. This is for the seventy-five dollars. No, no, we'll play them the song. Oh, I'll have to find it. The gift voucher for bigger trees. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. When we return, we've got the lovely. Catherine Hubble. <laughs> Thank you. Curtain Radio. You're with Let's Talk Gardening, Ray and Faye, and our special guest has just joined us in the studio, Catherine Hubble from Biotiful. Good morning, young lady. Thank Hello. you for Thank joining you. It's us. A pleasure to be here. Thank you very, very much. And we've just discovered that we're wondering why the phones aren't ringing, that there has been problems. There has been problems with our phone lines. I'm aware, oh, how can I put it, this has been an ongoing problem here uh, at the station, so we can only but apologise for that. I will report it, but evidently the lines were saying cannot connect through, so people have been trying to ring through and haven't been able to get us, hence us feeling that our question was too difficult for you for Bigger Trees, so we see how we go. In they may the... have jammed the phone lines trying, right? <laughs> That's exactly what the problem will be, Faye. Uh, Catherine, we'll go straight out to the lines, but lovely to have you with us and uh, certainly hope we get some time to have a 
Very good chat. Look at all your notes ready to go. That's what a because, pro. What a pro. My, my brain is a sieve and I can't pull things out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, welcome to my world. On, on demand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's head to Oakford. Cheryl, good morning. Hi, good morning, girls. How are we today? Yeah, Very good, good, Cheryl. Very good. Um, just a question about my blueberries. I've had these bushes for a couple of years now, and I've had them all over the garden and couldn't find a decent spot for them. And I've popped them into my shade house, which is um, 50% shade cloth, and they've been growing beautifully. Now, I've noticed they've started to flower, so I've shifted them out. Uh, obviously, they can't get pollinated. In, well, I'm thinking they can't get pollinated in the shade house. So I've put them outside under a tree, but now I'm a little bit, um, how do I know when they've been pollinated and could I put them back in the shade house or do I leave them where they are? Yes, um, well, you could probably watch the little birds coming and pollinating them. Um, They certainly, the the little honey eaters certainly seem to love our bushes and um, I think they're one of the, definitely the main pollinator that I can have observed in our garden. Um, So it was a very good idea to bring them out of the shade house and and give the little flowers access to pollinators. So um, good move and certainly it won't do the blueberries any harm even to get a bit of winter sunshine. They'll, They'll love it. So, so leave them out over over winter now and to um, yeah, yeah. Until we start getting some warmer weather again, they'll be happy outside. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. I'm I'm looking forward to a bumper crop. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Cheryl. Hope hoping. Okay, <laughs> thanks. thanks for your call. Cheers. Bye. Yeah. I saw blueberries in the shop recently, and I think they're twelve dollars a punnet. I'm not, I'm not joking. So, uh, no, I didn't buy them. A good investment, then. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so we're in Ravenswood, Gary. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good. Very good. Very well. Uh, Fine, Ray. I've, I've, I'm just putting. I missed you some of your talk earlier on. I was rotary hoeing. I turned the rotary hoe off, and I heard you talking about coffee grounds. Mm. Yes. And I've seen it before. What's it good for? I'm just putting some veggies in at the moment. I put some horseman, uh, some cow manure, and some uh, mushroom compost in. Right. Well, can, I, can I sprinkle coffee grounds over top of that, or is it? Sure, sure can. can. It will help uh, repel snails, supposedly, oh, okay. and and possibly yeah. mole crickets. I've heard, and of course, it's organic, so it will help improve the soil. Catherine, do you know? Of any and other I think benefits, it's a nitrogen source too. Coffee grounds. Okay, so I, I'm yeah. I, I just saw my local coffee shop a couple of weeks ago. I had it out, and I, I was going to grab a bag then, but and now I've forgotten what it does. But yeah, now you've told me, so it's good. Yeah, no, it is good gear. Okay, then that's all I. That's all I need to know. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Oh, you too. You too. Enjoy Thanks. your rotary hoeing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye, Gary. Bye. I've actually, you know, experimented with the coffee grounds and yes, they definitely do work with the yep. snail factor. Absolutely, 100%. Well, I imagine just the fact that like sawdust, they won't mm. like moving over it. it mm. It's hard to Very create that deterrent. slime trail. And I think the caffeine in it too, mm. they, they don't like that. Mm. So no, I, it's, it is effective. Okay, let's head to Mundaring. Margaret, hello. Oh, good morning, girl. Morning. Um, Yes, about this shot hole borer. Um, you don't have any idea of how far up the Swan River it goes. I suppose would it be up as far as Guildford? 
Uh, look, Margaret, I'm just going to do a we double can check. We Google that on DPIRD, actually, and mm. uh, we'll find... Oh, DPIRD, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, my question actually is, um, if somebody's in the, living in the suburbs and found this tree and they've already pruned it or done something, can they take it to the tip? What does one do? I mean, I've got friends who live in the suburbs who might find it in their garden. Can they uh, take it to the tip? Well, I think one of the first things would be is to report it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I'm just looking now because um, it's quite, yeah, we, we've been given all the information about uh, where it is. I'm just looking up the map now. Quarantine area, da-da, inland to... It includes Queen's Park, East Cannington, South Guildford. So, look, Margaret, I'll come back to that when I can find the, the information that I looked at earlier, which was much much more comprehensive yeah. and easier to deliver. It'll be on the DPIRD website. I yes, guess. yes. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'll let you get on. Thank you, girls. All right. Thanks, Margaret. Bye. Cheers for now. And we do actually have a winner for our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Louise in Allenbrook. Uh, thanks for playing with us, Louise, and I hope you – obviously everyone had trouble getting through. Uh, that will be in the mail to you this week. And the question was, in reference to the song Flowers in the Rain, what colour are the roses that are scattered all around? And the answer is yellow. Well played. Okay, let's go and have a chat with Deborah. We're in Mandra. Got some snails there, Deborah. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yeah, I was listening to you and I've got, oh, I moved in this house about one and a half years ago and there's that many snails. Most of them I managed to kill. I had brown snails, the sea snails, um, you know, the white ones, I think they're called. Um, and oh, another, but you know the little curly ones that you've been talking about. Yes. I found I've got rid of a lot of my snails by the snail pellets, but the little ones, you're right, they don't seem to be attracted to the snail pellets. So what I've been doing, and I go out there every day, and I'll see them. They love my irises for some reason, and they'll get all on the leaves, and they even eat the flowers. So I just grab them all in my hands and go around to all the plants and then I just crush them with my feet. I found that's the easiest way to get rid of them. Um, I know it's a bit of a pain, but um, mm. but that's what I do. Um, and the other thing I was wondering about, um, you know how you're talking about coffee granules. What about tea leaves, you know, from tea bags? Are they good for your soil too? Well, being organic, there's certainly something in that breakdown. Rather than applying this, that and something else, I would probably put them into a compost or even a worm farm yeah. to break down and then put it into the garden. And, it, well, whatever's easiest for you. I suppose if it's if you're going outside the back door and just tipping on the garden, that's fine. But you, you could also uh, just do it all together in a, a compost. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so with those snails, though those little ones, they are very hard to get rid of. Um, mm. But there is in it, man. Well, where I am, there's hundreds of them, absolutely hundreds. Um, I might have something that could be of interest. Um, recently, I think it's one of the latest um, from Graham Sate in his Nutrition Farming podcast. So he's a 
regenerative agronomist in Queensland, and he's been doing some research on his farm using um, wood vinegar, which is actually smoke water. Ah, oh, yes. So we're familiar with it mm. as a, a, a useful um, thing to break the dormancy in native seeds for germinating native plants. But it turns out that it has much wider uh, potential benefits, including helping germination in non-native plants as well. So, and increasing the um, vigour of plants that they've trialled, um, having prepped them with um, wood vinegar. Um, but I recall him talking about snails um, in relation to wood vinegar too. So I can't remember the details, but it might be well worth having a listen to that podcast. So it's uh, then if you just gray, Google Graham Sait, G-R-A-E-M, mm. and uh, wood vinegar, then it will come up directly to that podcast. So it's the Nutrition Farming okay. Podcast, Season 3, Episode 1, called Biostimulation. Where would you get wood vinegar from? Uh, anywhere that, that promotes native plant production. So... Um, Friends of Kings Park or Kings Park uh, might sell it. Also, Australian Native Australian Native Nursery they definitely have it. Yes. Mm. All right, that's and interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty cheap, so um, that mm. could be a really good solution for the very tiny snails that don't seem to. I know I've yeah. used them in my in my garden. They're a real pain. Those tiny little snails because they, they don't go for the bait so readily. Yeah. yeah. I even tried um, beer once in a saucer because yeah. um, everyone, you know, everyone says, I'll put beer in a saucer and that'll kill snails. But I don't know. I must have had the wrong type of beer because no, no snails. I think that'll be effective for slugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Did we mention right. crushed up pellets? Did we mention that? Yes. We did mention crushed. Yeah, I actually might try that too. Um, like I a powder. Mm. Yeah, and see if that helps. But, I've heard it uh, works. I know yeah. They just don't seem to be attractive. They just don't, they're not in the pile, you know. Mm. So. Mm. All right, we need to move on, young lady. Thank you. Take, you take care. Cheers. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Kitten Radio. And we're going straight back out to the lines. We will be heading to the news at 9am. We are in Morley. Wayne, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very really good, Wayne. Thanks. Well, I've got a problem. I've got three kumquat trees. Well, one is over 40 years old and the other two would be at least 30 years old. And they're in pots and they're looking magnificent, very lush and green and full of fruit. But the fruit's all falling off. And I've never, ever had that problem before. Um, not that I look after them very much because my partner was the gardener. I'm not a gardener. And my past passed away seven years ago. And all I do is keep everything green and watered. Yeah. This year, I actually manured the trees, which I'd never done for years in summer and they're looking really lush and green but the fruit's all falling off and I just wondered if um, you have any idea why the fruit's all falling off. Well I saw Catherine nodding. Catherine did you want to say something? I was just thinking about the um, relationship between nitrogen and um, potassium and if there's excess nitrogen then that shuts down potassium which is your flowering of fruiting. 
So uh-huh. it's possible, depending on the type of manure that you used, that you've, you know, given them a, a nice shot of nitrogen and they're all looking lush, lush and lovely, but it <clears> has <throat> impacted on the fruit production. Well, one of the manures I used had, had like a um, blood and bone based, blood and bone based in it, but I have no idea what that potassium or nitrogen. The other thing, if they've been in pots for yep. a good, good number of years without yep. being repotted, they, they've just exhausted what's, what's right. there and there will be a limit to how much fruit they can hang on to. All right. So, yeah. they you know, they've been potted for a long, at least, at least 10 years they've been in the pots that they're in, but one of them has been in a pot all its life, but, but moved from pot to pot. But as I said, one of them's about 42 years old. So, do you think that the roots have gone down into the ground? No, they definitely haven't gone oh. down to the ground because they're in very large pots and they're actually cutting topiaries and they're actually around a swimming pool and they're like a feature at the swimming pool. They're three side by side and they're in big pots. Oh. And during the summer, um, the pots were in saucers because of the heat and now I've lifted them out of the saucers and they're so there, but they're in, um, the, the roots had definitely not gone into the ground. Wow. Sounds like your wife was an expert gardener to um, mm. have set them up so well in those pots that they've lasted this well. This and sometimes during over the years when we've had storms, they've fallen over and rolled mm. around, and then we put them back up again, and yeah. they just keep going. Yeah. Well, uh, what I would always recommend would be a, a controlled release fertilizer designed for flowering and fruiting plants, right. particularly okay. for citrus. So. Yep. Um, Giving them manure isn't a balanced feed for them. It doesn't contain everything they need. So, you right. know, n- next year, like spring and autumn are the times that I would give them something. Uh, right. I, I sort of think you've missed the boat now. As too, long as you, too late, yeah. As long as you're keeping the moisture up to them because when they are fruiting, they do need a lot of water. Yes. I, th- I think at some point they're kind of going to run out of oomph and go backwards a bit, a bit like a bonsai. There's a different set of managing, trimming roots, repotting, yeah, pruning. I've got thirty of those as well. I've got thirty bonsais as well. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Well, there you go. You just need to apply similar technique, I'd say, Wayne. Right. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Make, Good luck. Yeah, it's <laughs> a big job, isn't it? Thank you. It is. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. What a good man. What a good man. Okay. We're heading to the 9 o'clock news. Margaret and Keith, please stay with us. We will be with you just after the news. Okay. A little bit unusual. Okay. It's 15.8 degrees right now. It's a pretty sunny day out there heading for a maximum of 22. The minimum overnight will be 8 with a maximum tomorrow of 18. It will be partly cloudy and on Monday the minimum overnight is dropping down further to 7. Partly cloudy day on Monday to be expected with a maximum also of 19. We will be heading into winter as it uh, as from next week. Wednesday I do believe and our rainfall uh, thank you to John, our researcher, is sitting at 83.6 mils, which is a huge jump up from where we were a couple of weeks back there. So well done, all of us. Okay, we are in the studio with Catherine Hubble and Ray and Faye. You want to say something, Faye? I Busting do. out of your I seat. Do. I can I... see you just wriggling around <laughs> over there. Well, it's important to to get this done, and that's information about the 
polyphagous shot hole borer. Yeah. So I know Margaret was listening and I have information to get back to her. Yeah. Any host material presenting signs or symptoms must immediately be reported to DPIRD via the Pest and Disease Information Service. So you can send it via the Pest Guide Reporter app or phone 9368 3080. It also says this material must be double bagged and secured until mm. uh, directed by DPIRD. So no, you won't be sending it to the tip or no. disposing it. No. They need to keep a record of it. Mm. So the quarantine area boundaries cover the following. City of Canning, Coburn, Fremantle, Melville, Nedlands, Perth, South Perth, Stirling, Subiaco, Vincent, the Shire of Peppermint Grove and the town of Cambridge, Claremont, Cottesloe, East Fremantle, Mosman Park and Victoria Park. So if you live in any of those areas, you are not able to move any uh, plant material greater than two centimetres in diameter out of the quarantine area. Any findings must be reported immediately to DPIRT. Yeah, OK. All right, we're in Park Millia. Good morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning. How are you? Very We're good. Great, thank you. <laughs> good. Uh, sorry, I've got a, a very, very unhappy carnation in a pot. Um, it, it was doing really, really well, but now the leaves seem to be thin, looking unhappy, and sort of some of them are, are turning inwards, not rolling, but turning inwards. It's not looking a happy little camper at all. I'm just wondering what I can do. I've just given it some Thrive fruit and flower to try and perk it up, but I'm just wondering if it needs anything else or what else I can do for it. Is the the soil too wet at all, Margaret? Well, I've just given it a good drink now of um, fruit and flour. It's, yeah, it will be wet now, but it's, it, that's probably one of the problems, is it? Uh, possibly. <clears throat> what sort of potting mix is it in? It was in the best potting mix I could get. Always do, always do use it. Um, oh, I can't remember what the name of it was okay. now. So, um, so yeah. I'm assuming it's then got good drainage. But carnations yeah. do like an alkaline soil, uh-huh. a high okay. pH. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things. Uh, and they're yeah. also prone to, prone to some of the fungal diseases. Yes. Yes, um, it doesn't appear to be anything on it, but the leaves do look a bit, bit funny and bit ratty. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm just looking at them now. Yeah, they, they probably have got, they've got like a, a silvery look to them. I wonder. Some of, some of them. I wonder if you're able to send us a photo, Margaret. And are they getting plenty of sunlight? This is the thing. Yes, I've just moved them now into the sun. They were under the shade house right. during the summer, but now I put them out in the winter. I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things. I was just wondering if I could spray them with something, you know, uh, that wasn't going to hurt them, <laughs> like a general. I'll let okay. Catherine take over here. <laughs> I, it sounds like. Um, Yes, they're, they're definitely going to respond to the sunshine. So as much sun right. as you can give them this time of the year. Yes, and I'll put them out. Yeah, yeah. So just give the sun time to do its work its magic on the plant mm -hmm. and um, don't push it too far. Just, just let it um, recover. Uh, right. It's, yeah. It has been. It's been beautiful right through the summer months. It was lovely, but uh, and it was under the under the shade cloth. 
but uh, I've sort of thought, right, it needs a bit more sun now, so I've put it into sunlight, and I've looked at it, and I thought, oh, dear, you do look sad. Um, Margaret, do you, look happy at all. do you have any limestone in your soil there? No, no. Okay. No, so, it's in a pot. All right. It's all in right. a pot, yeah. I was, I was just thinking it, carnations would do very well in a limestone soil. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. I'll soon grab, soon grab some limestone. <laughs> well, would you suggest repotting it and putting it into an, um, some acid-loving, like azalea no, no. potting? No, no. no? Op- opposite. No? Alkaline. High pH. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. But, I, 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 but definitely the sunshine because silver leaves yeah, okay. take a lot of yeah. sun. They they like it on the right. drier side. So if you've had it in an environment where the, where it's shady and moist, mm. it, it would probably go into decline. So having right. moved it out in good potting mix, yep, just see how it goes now. Right, okay, okay. Just it's flowering beautifully and it looks so lovely. And I thought, oh, I must see what's gone wrong with it. <laughs> All right, All right, good right, luck. I'll pop it in the sunshine and keep my fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> good on you, Margaret. Okay, you have, a, have a lovely day, all of you, won't Thank you? you? Thank, Thank you, you, love. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we're in Shelley. We're talking about a frangipani tree. Keith, thanks for holding. That's no, not a problem. How can we help you, Keith? Now, um, I've got uh, quite a nice line of frangipanis in my side garden. Uh, they're all at round about two... Uh, two and a half feet tall. Um, now, two of them, they're really bushy, and there's a, a they, um, each of these two got quite a big branch as it come out of the side and tending to pull the plant over. Now, what, would it be in order to prune those two branches off? You Well, and, you could either stake it or you could could remove them, prune to shape, but I probably wouldn't want to do that until springtime uh, no, when it, when it's warming up, and that way you can also propagate the cuttings. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Mm. Now, it's, um, they're all still full leaf at the moment, one or two leaves dropping, but um, you know, obviously what I'd like to do is take these two branches off and, and uh, re-cultivate them. Okay. Yep. Obviously, I had a lot of luck with the, the five that I've got so far. Well done. Yeah, so um, they have been already staked when I first put them in, but the weight of these branches seem to have pulled the stakes over with them as well. So. Oh, okay. So, yeah, just go back to that. But um, do the, the cutting in springtime. Yeah, so what would that be around about uh, uh, end of September time? Oh, well, even October, November. Just wait, wait for the weather to warm up. I, I wish I had a crystal ball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Thanks very much for your help. Okay. Thanks, Keith. Bye, Keith. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, over to you. We've, well, let's talk to Catherine. Yeah, that might be a nice idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Catherine, so I did explain a bit about your background. Mm. Uh and, yeah, tell us in your words how you've got to this point. Well, I'm a very curious soul, I guess, is the is a main thing. Um, and I ended up on a path into horticulture through a love of nature and, mm. and so on, which 
um, led me to Xanthoria Nursery, where I worked for 10 years. And um, since then, I've, I've also been interested in food and um, I guess my main subjects at school uh, tell the story. That was um, art, human bio, biology, um, English and English lit were the subjects that I was passionate about. And I find that I've dipped in and out of those um, subjects over the course of my working life and I find now that they're, they're starting to collide together, which is mm, really wonderful. Lovely. Yeah. Mm. So I'm very interested in um, ecology and coming from a gardening background, um, looking at how how we garden and how that impacts ecology and mm. also our, our own health as well, how that links in. Mm. So our subject today is probably one <laughs> Controversial. of... Controversial. Yes, very. So glyphosate or zero, what, what else? Roundup, yeah. 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 all of those. Parts. Tell us your yeah. findings, your perspective. Well, um, I've been looking at it um, coming from a regenerative agriculture perspective really is, is where I've started to open my eyes. And also many years ago... Um, my doctor at the time gave me a book to read uh, called Whitewash, which is the story the story of a weed killer. Mm. And um, she comes from the perspective of environmental medicine. Mm -hmm. So she was really looking at this issue. And that was quite a few years ago now. And there's been a lot more research in more recent times, but also a lot of research into soil microbiology and and how our gut microbiology um, interacts with our own bodies and and so on and the interesting thing about glyphosate is that it works in a very um, broad way so it works as a mineral chelator so there's impacts in terms of tying up nutrients and making them unavailable to plants, even subsequent plants um, that have been treated in, a, in an area treated with glyphosate, yeah. which can be quite residual in soil depending on the structure of the soil. So um, the shikimic acid pathway is, is a, a secondary metabolite pathway that is um, it's, it's part of organisms everything except mammals basically and because of that clause that we are mammals it was thought that glyphosate was safe for humans and other mammals but all of our gut microbes have a shikimic acid pathway and we are dependent on on them to um, produce these metabolites and also eat the metabolites from plants and, and other animals. So basically the shikimic acid pathway is um, linked in with our immune function mm. and, and other things. So if we, and we're finding more and more now that all of those, our gut microbiome is so important to um, other 
yes. functions and immune oh. function in the body. Mm. So the, the reason I started looking at this, thanks to my doctor, was um, she was aware of my background and that I had done a lot of um, glyphosate spraying as a horticulturist in various um, positions uh, through my working life. And I think that combined with at one point, heavy doses of antibiotics um, and then this, the using of, of um, spraying of Roundup. Well, it wasn't actually Roundup. It was a, a different um, concoction um, with glyphosate for extended periods of time compounded the um, poor gut biology. Were you wearing protective equipment? Yes, but not much. I could smell it. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you so can, did you have a you face can... mask? Uh, yes, but not. You, not, you still. Yeah, yeah. It was still entering. It obviously. was still entering. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so it's taken me a long time to really understand those connections and then rebuild my gut microbiome, and. That has happened because of listening to to other people in the the health from the health side of things and how to detoxify and so on. So um, there's a very interesting po um, webinar which my mentor, who we, we spoke with um, some time back, Ellen from Earthwell Australia, she yeah. put me on to this fellow called Dr. Don Huber who has done, he's a plant pathologist mm. and he's done a lot of research into how um, how plants are impacted by pests and diseases and then the relationship with glyphosate as well. So glyphosate as a chelator ties up minerals that prevent the plant from being able to defend itself against pathogens. Mm. So the impact of birds... Um, in the garden, how how does that mm. relate? Oh, so do we need to go to a break? We do Earth need Ray? to have a break. All right, we'll we'll come straight back to that. Okay. okay. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye and our special guest in the studio, Catherine Hubble from Biotiful, and it's twenty two minutes after nine. We shall carry on with our very interesting topic. Right. So we, we're up to the point where we're going to hear about how birds in the garden are affected directly by glyphosate or indirectly. Yeah. So the idea behind that was that if we can, if without understanding how um, the chemicals that we apply in our garden work, we can't understand the repercussions or the the um, cascade of effects that that might have through our garden ecology. So glyphosate being a chelator of minerals, so, so one, one way that it could have an impact, for example, is on um, binding up a, a, a wide range of nutrients in the soil. So that's magnesium, manganese, iron. Um, I think zinc was another, but I not 100% sure, but it, it does tie up a broader range of um, nutrients and minerals. And so then that has consequences down the track for the, the animals feeding on those um, plants or, or the, the plants 
um, growing in those soils which might be deficient in minerals. So you might have an insect that's feeding on a plant that, that hasn't got the levels of magnesium that it might otherwise have, for example. Then that, that um, insect is eaten by a bird. So then the bird is, is depleted in the minerals as well. And it might be just a, a very subtle thing over time but over time you end up, and, and this is a problem with us as well as humans, our nutrient, um, the, the content of nutrient in our food, the mineralisation is um, depleting over time. And I think it, it, it's not just a problem for us, it's a problem for the wider environment as well. Mm. So if an area has been sprayed with glyphosate, is there an easy way to regenerate, to, to repair that environment? Is that what regenerative agriculture helps with? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that has been shown to help um, remediate glyphosate is humic acid. And now there are definitely, um, it's easy, easy to get hold of now mm. for home gardeners than it ever used to be. There's... there's numerous products on the market now that are really, really I know available. I've seen it on yeah. on labels before yeah. so if we see that on a label we sort yeah. of think that Absolutely. that's a good a good tick yeah. something to have so and as someone with mm. with um, who has had gut issues you know compounded by glyphosate spraying um, I recently came across and have been using a humic acid product mm. for myself and interestingly, in combination with a very specific um, probiotic, uh, the, for the first time last spring, I could enjoy spring without being massively impacted by hay fever. Oh, isn't that interesting? So uh, after, yeah. Yeah, and I suffer terribly with hay fever. Yeah. Okay. In your opinion, and I know it's a, this is difficult, do you believe that glyphosate is carcinogenic? Oh, I think it's quite likely that it's it highly is. likely. Yes, mm. highly likely. Mm. Um, so that's another another problem with it, um, and how that how does that impact other creatures as well? Yeah, and it's so, a major issue because many councils spray glyphosate. Yes, still. And I have, yeah, and I've talked with um, council people about this, and mm. the, the problem is that at the moment, because um, there isn't the public awareness and there isn't the the pressure from the public. The the councils can't justify the expense of alternatives. Mm. So there are alternatives, but mm. they're way more expensive than using glyphosate. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the problem. Yeah, I see. Unfortunately, um, another th another. Um, light at the end of the tunnel, which I I just discovered, and I was so excited about this <laughs> and your face is lit up already <laughs> <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom good good um i'll just just gotta find my notes here so i get it and we're taking calls as well nine four eight four one nine two seven and you can email gardening at curtainfm.com.au as well and then another topic of course um as we get into the the wetter months mm. are the problem of fungal issues in people's gardens and the 
the fungicides that um, mm. either need to be sprayed or maybe you can give us an alternative on that one too, Catherine. Of uh, probiotics. Probiotics? Beneficial fung. Yeah, yeah. So um, I can't actually find this here. I'm looking for my... Because a lot of people oh, would go. be resorting to copper sprays. Yeah, and copper sprays, you know, you can use them um, very carefully, but you don't really want to get them on the soil. Mm. So because they do impact the beneficial organisms in the soil. Um, and lime sulfur yeah, is another. Yeah, same. Yep. Mm. It's if you're willing to put the effort into looking at more regenerative um, practices and and if you've got the time to make your own um, probiotic um, formulas then you can do things like lactic acid um, so that's really good as um, the lactic acid bacteria they're really good as a probiotic so they, they so coat is that the a leaf, leaf lactobacillus surface. serum yes that's yes. right yeah okay the lactobacillus serum as I said, my brain's a sieve sometimes. Under pressure, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> We're in Queen's Park. Karen, hi. Yes, good morning. I'm listening to uh, to that lady who was talking about the glyphosate. Yeah. What effect on bees has it got? And I know that in Europe, you know, I've never ever used in my life glyphosate. And I told all my neighbours and all my friends, don't use it. It's too dangerous. Why do we shoot with cannons onto weeds? It's ridiculous. Honestly, it's, it's always a money business. Yeah. Like we, 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 uh, but I think in Europe, in, in quite a few parts, it has already been banned. And uh, um, because I think it was uh, brought into connection with, with the dying of, of the bees in, in lots of areas. So uh, what we are doing to nature is incredible. Honestly, we're destroying everything. That's just what I wanted to say. But uh, because uh, Catherine hasn't mentioned the bees, she, the, you mentioned the birds and everything. But what about the bees, the insects? Oh, they will be affected too, won't they? There's very wide, you know, for any um, any chemical that we put on the garden that's designed to kill something mm. is going to have other consequences yeah. um, down the food chain and, and so on. Yeah, and, and I have, so I have watched a gardener in, in, at Murdoch University. I just couldn't believe it. He was sitting on his tractor and he was spraying glyphosate and the spray went all over the place. He wasn't wearing a mask. He wasn't wearing anything, any protection. I just couldn't believe it. Mm. Yeah, and it's where that drift goes too. It's uh, phenomenal how far yeah, it can actually right, drift. Right. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to use any 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 poison in my garden. Not none whatsoever. Well, you've got a beautiful garden, Karen. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, but I love it. I love my garden. Oh, very good. Okay. All right, thanks, thanks for all your call. information too. Thank you for your You're help. You're welcome. Cheers. Okay, okay bye. And uh, we're going to head to Mandra, and Maggie would like to comment on the uh, probiotics. Maggie, good morning. Oh, good morning to you all. Um, I've been using kefir for the last, oh, since yeah. August for, for probiotic. It's supposed to be 50% um, stronger than any tablet. Yeah. And I am feeling amazing. And it's the best thing for gut health and immunity. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's what does she think of kefir? Oh, absolutely. And kefir played a, a big role early on in, um, so I was suffering from, almost like irritable bowel syndrome um, symptoms for 
quite a, a while, you know, after after really hammering my, my poor gut biology. Um, and it was kefir that helped to start turn things around. Um, and it's been a, a process ever since. So what yeah. I've discovered is that um, I just I now take all sorts of probiotics. So I take um, kefir, I take yogurt, I take um, sauerkraut and kimchi, um, fermented veggies, all of those mm. things. So yeah. a wide yeah. variety. And I think diversity is really key. But yeah. it's only since uh, that that has certainly improved my um, my digestion and and so on and my tolerance for um, FODMAP. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I've, I've put a lot of people on it that said they had bowel problems and yes. they've come back and said, "Oh my God, it's yeah. the best thing!" Absolutely. I oh, you know. So, yeah. but it was only after you know, also including the humic acid, which which then comes in as a um, repairer of um, the lining of the gut, I think, um, and decontamination of the glyphosate in combination with, there's a particular bacteria which, which my current doctor who um, was looking at my asthma and how to help with that. This is, this is before spring last year so she recommended a bacterium called um, bifidobacterium breve and uh -huh. interestingly i was a preemie baby and they use that bacteria they they find that they have better um results with with preemie babies um, it improves their immune function so yeah, I reckon I was on the back foot from the start, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I and then I just crashed my system um, with antibiotics and and glyphosate and so on. But yeah. um, I think there's so the the probiotic that I found was an American one with with twenty six species of um, beneficials. But the key with this one too was unlike other probiotics, it's got a prebiotic and it doesn't yeah. say it on the label but I listened to a um, an interview with the the naturopath who who brought it to market and the prebiotic is a virus mm. so the virus targets the um, bad bugs in the belly and reduces either kills them or reduces their lifespan so by doing that, it makes you, you reducing the numbers of the bad guys, allowing space for the good guys to proliferate and expand. I've managed to get about 10 bag, little bagfuls in the freezer of, of these things, and I don't know. Do you make it, Maggie? Pardon? Do you make it or buy it? Well, a friend gave me a, a They're like little pearls, and they're, they're, it's a, you know, a, a, a live bag. Uh, thing, yeah. and and I just put it in a cup and a half of milk every night, and just have a little cover over it, and um, and then I, when it, the next day it turns out like real thick um, cottage cheese, the top of it, you know where it's mm -hmm. in, it lives on the what's name, and then what I do is strain it off on a plastic, it has to be a plastic sieve, I strain it off into that, and I get the mixture, and it makes beautiful pancakes, mm. and it also. Um, we we put that in a blender and then I put strawberries or banana or whatever in it and we have that every morning. Mm. Both me and my husband and 
Well, we don't get anything wrong with us. No, <laughs> right. Thank mm. you for your time, Maggie. Appreciate it. We might have to hey. get John onto a few of these recipes, Ray. I think so too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, if they're really good, you just do it overnight with some flour and put the, a cup full of that, half a cup full of flour and uh, and a teaspoon of um, uh, baking powder and leave it, mix it up and leave it in the fridge overnight, then add an egg to it and it makes the best pancakes. Yeah, very clever. Thank you, Maggie. We love your story. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. Cheers. Okay, bye. Have a nice day. Bye. And we're heading to Ascot. Olga would like to comment on glyphosate. Hi, Olga. Oh, hi. How are you going? Good. I came in a bit late in this conversation, so I don't know what was said previously, but um, I have had two cancers, So, and I've had experience with glyphosate 40 years ago before I knew all of the information that yeah. we know today mm. um, but I live next door to a water corporation um, stormwater drain for all intents and purposes and they used to spray every three or four months mm. so um, in the end when I finally did get diagnosed with one of my cancers I actually rang them and said could you please desist and stop spraying that stuff and they said why and I said I explained that I had breast cancer and they said, oh, are you saying we gave it to you? I said, I'm not saying that, but I would prefer that you didn't spray because it sprays into my place when you do it. Yep. And would you not do it? And they stopped spraying. They actually come in now and do it mechanically. And I did the same with the Belmont Council because I live in their area. And I was outside one day gardening and they had a car that came past at reasonable speed and one guy was hanging out the window yeah. and he was spraying the verge to get rid of all the weeds on the verge. Mm-hmm. So I rang the council and asked them not to spray there either along my properties. And later, I don't know, I'm assuming this is what's happened. They've put some yellow triangles outside my place and I'm assuming that that's to say do not spray in this area. So I think if you are a bit concerned, maybe contact the various um, organisations who are using this and let them know. I also walk in Garvey Park. I used to walk daily and I would walk through and think, it smells funny and get to the end after a kilometre or so of walking and you see a sign mm. and I said to them, please put it at either end so that people don't walk through this fog and, you know, then realise, oh my goodness, I've just walked through this chemical spillage. Yeah. So, they now put them on either end of that walk. So it does pay to, you know, mm. be vocal at times. Make some say, noise. Mm. Make some noise. Yeah. And, you know, the other, uh, I've got a blood cancer as well, and one of the known reasons for getting that is from chemical um, things. So mm. it's it's worthwhile standing up for your rights and letting people know that, you uh, yeah, this is not on anymore. Please not, not find some other way of doing it. Yeah. Thanks for your call, yeah. Olga. We appreciate it. Okay. Take care. No worries. Cheers for that. See Thank you, you then. You. Bye. Bye. Good call. All right. We're in Bentley now. We're chatting with Lynn. Hi, Lynn. How are morning. you? Morning. Well, good morning. I'd like to congratulate you both uh, because I'm only a young gardener. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience and I never realised the importance of... Um, pesticides and we just automatically I mean I speak for myself just go out and get the stuff and just put it all over our garden but we can thank 
we can thank Curtin and we can thank Faye and Ray for teaching us the time that they've been there the importance of not doing this. And I really appreciate it because I have learnt so much and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of everybody else that listens because Faye has been very, very adamant about, you know, not using pesticides and she's taught us. And for myself, I would never put anything on it. I'd like to thank you for that, Faye and Ray. And I'd also um, like to ask the lady, what happens to the birds they can't take probiotics. So what happens to the insects and the birds that are affected by this? That's a really good question. There's no, no one's doing any research on this. No one's looking at the um, wider impacts. And um, there's, there's a paper um, which I've got in front of me um, which, which questions the um, status of of glyphosate and and it's um, in terms of looking at it from a wider ecological perspective and whether it should have been approved in the first place. Um, Catherine, we we need to go to a break. Yeah, Lynn, we'll let Catherine answer this on the other side of the break if yeah. that's okay. Yeah, thanks so much. We really appreciate you, Faye and Ray. It's awesome. Thanks. Lynn, you've actually brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> yeah, Faye's very touched by that. Lynn, if you're on the internet, you can go to our survey, the Curtain Radio survey, and have your say there uh, about okay. uh, this program and Curtain Radio in general. Okay, dear. Thank Thanks. you. Thank we enjoy you. the show. See okay, you, dear. Bye. see you. Bye. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. You're tuned in to Let's Talk Gardening. About 17 minutes left of the program. Not too late to get your call through 94841927. And we're going straight back. We're in the middle of a good discussion with Catherine. Hi. Yes. So, there are, <laughs> where to start? There's so much. Um, the impacts are, are quite wide, potentially. And um, because of the, the different ways that, that, glyphosate impacts and how the forms that it takes so um, there's the binding up of the minerals there's the affecting the um, shikimate pathway um, which impacts on immune function and you know all sorts of things Um, and that goes through the food chain so for example there was some research done on chickens and they found that chickens that consume um, grain with glyphosate residues in them had a much higher um, number of salmonella in their guts. Hmm. And so in commercial production where you have masses of chickens and you have, um, they're all fed on on grain and so on, they have to feed them antibiotics because they just don't have that... Um, diversity of robust and and good beneficial organisms in their digestion. So this is really interesting because um, I recently did a soil analysis for a client um, who had chickens and they used a lot of um, the the chicken guano in in their compost. And that compost had a lot of spirochetes in it, which can indicate 
pathogens like salmonella. So it it was really interesting. And then I and then I read this article and and linked it back to well, you know, we can't. It's very hard to find organic chicken food. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that that glyphosate does tend to knock back the the good bugs, and that includes. Um, has impacts on soil structure because it impacts the beneficial microbes that help build soil structure. What are, what do we have problems with here? Soil structure, water mm. infiltration. Um, so there's just a, a cascade of all kinds of consequences for what we do that are, are just not promoted by the, um, the okay. cells of so it. Catherine, what pearls of information have you got there. Okay, so I mentioned early on uh, a light at the end of the tunnel and and there's a f- there's a few. So um, humic acid is one um, potential way to remediate soils um, from glyphosate and ourselves as well. Um, but I came across a paper which was very exciting. I found this yesterday and it's from the Journal of Hazardous Materials um, and it's about a new glyphosate degrading bacterial species. Okay. This paper is so new, this research is so new that the publishing date on it is 15th of June 2022. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the latest. This is the latest. It hasn't even kind of... It's not, We're not even there yet. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And it's it's so exciting. So, one this this shows that people are recognising that there's an issue and there's a longer term issue and that glyphosate is residual in soil in some soils and and builds up over time. And um, how do we deal with that? So there's the mechanism. You know, we'll we'll be coming on board to deal with that. Um, but I would really encourage people to um, consider what they're using in their gardens and and the broader implications of that and stop using those things now. So you're going to get councils that have um, money constraints and and under pressure to to achieve certain outcomes that are not going to stop using it for a while. We need to, as home gardeners, not add to that load. Mm. Okay. Thank you. We're in Rockingham. Joyce, how are you? Hello. Thank you, girls, for all the lovely information you give out. And uh, talking of glyphosate, when I first landed in Rockingham, um, we walked across the Joyce to the house that we bought, and it's just been sprayed for white ants. Now, also, too, what was used at that particular time was Delgrin and Heptacor. Now that's another great no no. <laughs> but unfortunately it did impact on my health and uh, I didn't know at the time but I was pregnant when we walked across those joists. And of course I not only lost that baby but lost another one two years later. Mm. So it, they don't produce the deldrin and heptachlor anymore, but it, it is still in the ground, is it? 
I would say so, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's probably a bit beyond the mm. scope of our uh, let's talk gardening. Con- conversation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Joyce. But it, it's certainly very important and I think there are a lot of lessons learnt over the years. I think, yeah, yeah. We, it's time we start questioning and, and do more research and talk to people and, you know, do our best. Yeah, it'd be interesting to read that uh, journal of hazardous... Well, perhaps when when the 15th of June comes, we can get access to that and post it up. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, thanks, Joyce. Thank you. Your talk this morning has been great. Thank Thank you, you. Laura. Again, girls. All right, bye for now. Okay, and I'm just going to squeeze in Annette. Good morning, Annette, and thanks for waiting. No, that's a pleasure. Um, I guess I was just interested in the, is it humic acid? Can you spell it for me, please? And I wanted to know what the specific um, um, bacteria was that Catherine used. Uh, for when so, you were so it's born hum- and, yes. and yep. yeah. So it's a humic acid, H-U-M-I-C. Yes, and where do you get that from? Am I allowed to say? Yep, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Waldex sell humic acid, um, just little bags of it. I think various nurseries would. And you can get big Mm. bags of it um, delivered for free from a business called Strata Green. Mm. They do uh, humic acid that is produced by green, um, who is it, EcoGrowth. So an eco, it's an eco-growth uh, yes. product. Yes, we know eco-growth. Yeah. yeah, it's a bagged dry product. It's an mm. eco-growth one. And they do a big bag um, of humic. I think it was about around about $50 from memory. Mm. I did get hold of one. Wow. And they okay. do free delivery. Um, oh, that's good. Okay. And the name of the bacteria. So the name of the bacteria yes. is Bifidobacterium breve, B-R-E-V-E. Oh, Bifido. Okay. And where do you get that one from? There are specific formulas that um, have that in it. They're very expensive. I did find one. So the one that I got here, um, I actually had to have a, a, not a prescription, but an endorsement from my doctor. So I had to show an email that the doctor um, wanted me to get this one. Mm, but, from the doctor. Yeah, mm. yeah. But the one that I got online, I mm. just got through the mail. And and that one I think is superior because of the virus prebiotic in it and because it had 26 six um, strain. strains rather than just like I think it was about six for the other one. Mm. So much more diversity. I always go for diversity. Yes. And uh, where did I you can, get that one from? Um, actually, I've got... Annette, can Wait, we just put please. you back to Bev? Yeah. And get your yeah. number maybe for Catherine. Yes, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you girls. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you for your company this morning. We are in the studio with Catherine Hubble from Biotiful. Been having a very interesting conversation this morning. Diane from Rockingham did phone in to say thank you for the program. She had cancer 10 years ago, uses probiotics and feels great. Never uses pesticides in her garden and has the best garden in the street. Quite right, Diane. We're in Berrigan. Harold, good morning. 
Good morning to you, young ladies. <laughs> morning. Good, Good morning, morning, young Harold. How are you today? Oh, you're spot on. I'm only 106 today. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> That's just joking. Don't take me seriously. <laughs> oh, okay. Do mango trees have a life expectancy? We've got one which has been about 30 years, and it's got two big growths, big limbs coming out from the soil, and it grows to about six and a half to seven meters tall, and it's full of leaves, but no fruit at all this year. Oh, okay. Well, what I would do in springtime is give it a cut back and encourage some new growth. Uh, and at that time, from the top. Well, I imagine it's got quite a lot of branches. So it's got lots of branches and yep. lots of rats to feed on it. Uh, right. Mm. Well, thin out the middle so that you've got sun going in. So you're creating a vase shape. And bring it down right. so it's easy picking. You don't really want to yeah. climb up a ladder at 106, no, that's right. do you? <laughs> so prune All I found side. this year was three seeds on the ground which had been cleaned by the rats. That's all. Right, okay. Usually we get a good crop of... It's a Kensington Pride one. Right, and, okay. And we've had it a while. So does it have a life expectancy? Not that I, well, not that I know of, but that's a question for John. He's he's good at finding life expectancies for us on trees. I will look right. into it for you, Harold. Thank you very much. All right, have a great day. Have a good day. You right. too. Bye. Enjoy your program. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Okay, about three minutes left of the program, girls. Well, thank you, Catherine. The, today has just been enlightening and. Um, Yes, encouraging people to tread lighter on our earth and giving them some some background information because we do get told that, oh, there's no residual effect mm, from some of these products or the, the one this week in relation to products I was looking at for the recommendations on chilli thrips, uh, low toxicity. And I'm thinking, really? Well, who's that... Who does that relate to? Is mm. it to us? Is it to organisms in the soil or the insects? Is it really low toxicity? Mm. That's is right. It? Yeah, we do need to start understanding those um, connections and how everything is connected um, in our in our gardens and thinking of the garden as, as an ecological system. Now, Bev's just asking, Margaret of Mundaring, can you please call Bev again? So I'm not sure what that's about, but, uh, yes, yeah, she's asking for you to call back. And for Harold, mango trees can live 100 years. So there you go. Outlive us all. <laughs> okay, our work is done. Thank you very, very much. We'd love to have you back in the studio again, Catherine. So much to cover. We just sort of scratched the surface, didn't we, we today? We did, absolutely. And we're very interested in the 15th of June. <laughs> <laughs> See what, what pops out there. So thank you very much. And thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden, of course. Um, I've got a couple of uh, gardenisms because it's the end of autumn. And all the loves we ever lived and all the lives to be are full of trees and changing leaves. And another one, because I'm a greedy girl and I love autumn. Of all the seasons, autumn offers the most to man and requires the least of him. Fayakara, would you like to add anything? Well, next week we will be speaking to Maya Linnell 
and she has written a book called Paper Bark Hill and uh, on top ah, of our $75 Bigger Trees giveaway, we'll be giving this we book will away. have a book to give away as well. Lovely. So it, sound, it sounds like a lovely story. Okay. With the love and support of her family, she believes their lives are finally back on track. Okay, starting wonderful. a flower farm <laughs> <laughs> my dream alright and just a reminder to listeners if you haven't already you can go to curtainfm.com.au on the front page the home page on the right hand corner click survey and uh, pop in all your thoughts and uh, preferences there because the survey is uh, winding down as of next week I think we're done George Minoldi's next Till 12 noon with the classic 60s and then we go country with Brendan T and Born and Boots. It's been a great morning, an informative morning and uh, we hope you all got something from it. We certainly did. Happy gardening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.